Okay, let's test your mic over there. Mic check one two one two. What you'd think that men's voices would be louder than females, but my voice definitely overpowers yours. Which, I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> um, welcome back to Crime Poppers. I'm Natalie. I'm Adam, and we're just your average married couple spending quality time and covering true crime. Mm-hmm. Brunch. Ouch. <laughs> Join us weekly as we pop open true crime cases and casually debrief what we think happened. All right, kitty cats. Uh, we woke up in silence this morning. Mm. We had our, our kids slept over at the grandparents. And mm-hmm. so we're today we're sipping coffee and enjoying the peace and quiet. Love it. While we uh, cover this case. So uh, first things first, shameless plug. If you aren't following us on Instagram yet, please do so. Um, we'd love to hit a thousand followers over there. I think we're at 300 now in the first week in a bit. So boom, chick boom. Mm-hmm. So pumped. Um, okay. Are pop you, let's pop this bitch open. Are you ready? Bring it on, baby. Ooh, I like it. Okay. We had several people recommend us to do this case over on Instagram. I always like several people. It was like one person. No, there was a few actually that to cover this case. Um, and I think it's because it got a huge amount of popularity, not only in the news media, but CBS news covered this case on 48 hour mystery. It's had countless podcast episodes. Um, and again, this one's covering a smart, beautiful, charming young high school teacher who literally just up and vanished with barely a trace and her murder would take 12 long years to solve. This is the case of Tara Grinstead. Let's pop it open, shall we? cheerleaders, ninth and tenth graders. Uh, I just completed my first year teaching and I, I loved every bit of it. So uh, that was Tara, and I'm about to take you into a small old town of Osceola, Georgia. Gosh, I love those accents, those southern mm. accents. Yeah. Uh, why can't we have bomb accents like that over here in Canada? Like, I mean, we do, kind of. Apparently we do. We have Newfie, and that's not really, like, cute, no. though. But even Canadians apparently have... Accents. It's hard to believe that people think we have accents, isn't it? Yeah. Um, anyways, so Osceola is a small ass town, somewhere between 3,000 to 3,500 people. And Tara was an 11th grade high school teacher at the Irwin County High School. She taught classes during the day and she studied to get her PhD in history and administration at night because eventually she wanted to either be a high school principal or a history professor. She was also a mentor and a coach for beauty pageants. So growing up and throughout her youth, she also participated as a beauty queen and she actually had several pageant wins under her belt and she went on to participate in the Miss Georgia pageant when she was 25 years old. Those are like the bigger pageants where they then go on to compete in Miss USA where um you know it's like they and here comes Miss Georgia Miss Tennessee I love that. <laughs> I haven't watched a pageant. Howdy, y'all. 
So she went on to be uh, to participate in the Miss Georgia pageant, and she didn't win. But for Tara, it was never about winning these pageants. It was more about saying that she did it, just building up Experience. her own confidence. And it was just using her beauty, really, as a way to fund her university career. Because as mm. reported by, by her mom and some of her best friends in a YouTube documentary covering the case, she talks about how she participated in all of these beauty pageants and won a ton of them, which actually went on to fund her university career. So that was mm, kind of cool. Possibly get her murdered. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately... Uh, it didn't work out the greatest. Um, point is, Tara had it all going on. She was smart, beautiful, but she was also kind and caring and seemed like a straight ass badass. If you straight, straight ass badass. That's a new one. <laughs> Don't it? She had a lot going on, right? She, mm. she was well educated, but also like beautiful. Mm. She cared so much for people. She would volunteer her time helping out at these pageants. So she was just genuinely like a really good person. She liked to make people happy. Like to, yeah, 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 yeah. She definitely did. And I fucking hate how shit happens to good people. What the schnoz? Too often. It's, it's crazy. It's just, it seems like, it's like when you get, have the, it's so off topic. Topic? I really am struggling today. Hmm. Um, old people. It's like the, the if you have old grandparents, it's like always the like shittier one dies first. That's <laughs> yeah, true though. The nicest <laughs> usually is the first. Why is that? I know because they deal with all the bullshit and stress, and the <laughs> oh, shitty no. people are just like they don't get stressed because they just don't care. So you're dying first. Yeah, like that's what I. That's what. Ooh, I just sorry. I wasn't. I was thinking about other things. <laughs> just but, kidding. Love you, babe. Yeah, I love you. <laughs> On a Saturday, October 22nd, Tara was helping out at one of these pageants in Osceola, and it was the, the Miss Sweet Potato pageant. So this is like where you- <laughs> Sweet potato. <laughs> Sweet potato. You get them all dolled up, and you get their hair and makeup done, and everyone reported that day that she was happy. Nothing you know, would throw people off to think that she was in a bad mood or anything like that. So from my research, there's a few minor variations about what happens after Tara leaves this pageant, but more or less, she leaves and hit up her landlord's son house, Rhett Roberts. I don't know like what, what her deal was with this particular individual. There's nothing more to the story other than she makes a pit stop at Rhett Roberts' house, and then she heads over to a neighborhood maybe cookout. Maybe rent? Is that? Yeah, maybe she was dropping off like a rent check or something. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's... Or- saying there's something broken or yeah who knows (laughs) we can speculate all we want it doesn't matter so relationship with the landlord i think maybe (laughs) she heads over to a neighborhood cookout hosted by some of her friends at the school after she leaves rhett's house and it was rhett the 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 landlord's son can you focus (laughs) sorry i'm really not focused today So she goes to this neighborhood barbecue and they had the Louisiana State University football game on. They had the TV outside. It was a good time. Everyone was enjoying themselves. And while at the cookout, Tara receives a few phone calls, one being from one of the pageant girls that she was just with. And then another who people reported that she was saying, I love you too, at the end of this phone call and then hung up. Hmm. Yeah. Around 11 p.m., Tara leaves the barbecue to head home. And again, in one of the YouTube documentaries that I watched, her stepmom states that she'd mentioned to someone earlier at the cookout that she was going to go home and watch the recording of the video from the pageant that day. So apparently the pageant, I guess, was recorded. But at the same time, they look back on on her saying that and there were never, ever recordings of that pageant being a thing. Like there was never any video footage. So I don't know, like... 
what that was about. Maybe she was Suspicious. just yeah. as an excuse to leave. Who knows? But she's apparently going to go home, hang out. Um, and I guess the idea was that the, her intention was that she was going to go home and chill out for the night and not leave again. As a reminder here about Osceola. Okay. It's a small ass town. I actually Google mapped, <laughs> I mean, Google mapped her old home. So eerie, but there's this website that you can go to. It's called housecreep.com and it shows all the crazy shit that's happened to houses. So if there's murders or like homicides or deaths in houses, they, you can, <laughs> you're looking at me like, <laughs> like, how would I know this? So anyways, I Google mapped her house just to see. And it's like, you can tell it's like small country town, right? So everyone kind of knows everyone. So Tara and her neighbors were super close and they kind of had this system where when they got home, they would turn on their main light just to let the next, like, let everyone know, like, you're home, you're safe, whatever. It's like, it's so crazy to think. Like, we should probably set up a system around here, like, neighborhood no, watch. You don't want, like, patterns because then they people will know when you're home, when you're not home. Like, you want to fuck with them. You don't want them to know your pattern. Well, you kind of do, though. Like, no. let people know you're safe. No, there's actually, like... With all my, like, smart home stuff, like, they actually have, like, random light mode where what? it will intermittently On the turn. ring, you can turn, like, yeah. just to well, trick people? Not ring, but, like, with the whole ecosystem of all the light switches, the Leviton and all that stuff, you can have it, like, set up by, like, different, like, it will, it will turn on for half an hour, turn off, then turn on another room. <laughs> like, just to make it look like you're, honestly, though, okay, think about but it. I don't think that's smart. Why? It Be- looks like you're home. And then people aren't likely to break into your house. If but you want them to break in when you're not home. Why would you yeah. want it to look like you're home? If, if they're going to break in, I want, want them to come you don't want people to break night. into your house. So they'll go into the next door neighbor's <laughs> house be, be, behind your neighbors. But, um, you know, that way they're going to go for the dark home. They're going to go with the, the house without a dog. Okay. They're going to go Anyways, with the house without the Speaking of neighbors, speaking signs. of neighbors, okay. Tara's neighbors note that on this particular Saturday mm-hmm. night that there was no light on. So she didn't she didn't make any, any indication that she was home. Right. Along comes Sunday morning and friends and family can't get a hold of Tara. She was supposedly supposed to go to a lunch, a scheduled lunch, but she didn't show up. And then Monday rolls around and Tara doesn't show up at the school where she taught. And then this is when panic mode really sets in because they're like, okay, we haven't heard from her for over 24 hours. Her students are sitting there in the classroom waiting. And the principal finally calls Tara's neighbors, which is like so strange that they'd have Tara's neighbors. Small town thing, but yeah, yeah, I'm normally that would be (laughs) be kind of weird. Yeah. So the principal calls her neighbors to go check on her, but they say that she has, they haven't seen her and the house looks dead. Mm. No pun intended. Um, so one of Tara's friends finally is like, fuck this. I'm calling the police. And this is when Billy Hancock. Billy Hancock? Billy. Okay. Not a Southern. <laughs> if people don't know, my maiden name is Hancock. Billy Hancock picks up the call and heads over to Tara's house with backup. And this is around 10 a.m. Sunday morning. When police arrive, they notice that her car is still there and the doors are unlocked. There's cash in the car. There's no indication that there's been a struggle in the car. But they're probably thinking at this point, like, it's not a burglary because the cash is still in the car. The mm. doors are unlocked. So they're thinking that maybe she came home from the cookout and intended on leaving again. Like, she didn't lock the doors behind her. And in Tara's front door jam, there's a business car wedged in there, which <laughs> they thought was kind of weird. And That means that the door wasn't open. Right. So that's so, a good clue. So they finally gain entry into her intel. house and there's not really anything out of place. Her clothes that she was wearing from that night were on the floor. Her phone was still plugged in in the charger. So she had clearly made it home mm-hmm. after the barbecue. 
And on the surface, they're probably thinking, okay, she might have left again, like maybe just for a walk or something, left yeah, her phone. Yeah, like maybe left her phone at home to just, I don't know, like go. She had a dog. Maybe she took the dog for a walk. Nobody but, like, leaves their house without their phone. Yeah, but, yeah. That's not a thing. Like, I, I take my phone, like if I go take a shit. Age, yeah. <laughs> my phone is always you in my don't know how long you're going to be there for, so, right? <laughs> So, uh, so on the first, on the surface, they're like, okay, you know, nothing too suspicious. Maybe she just left, you know, for whatever reason. But outside her house, they see something extremely fishy, which is a latex glove hmm. in her front yard, um, just a few feet away from her front door. So now they're like, okay, they've determined so that's that. suspicious. So immediately they, they, they determine that something fishy, something criminal has taken place here. Hmm. This is the part in the investigation where they they start looking at all the men in Tara's life. It always seems to be the men, right? Like, of course, it's kind of like the most obvious way to go. It's usually how it is. Problem is, there's quite a few of them in her life. I mean, damn, she was a pretty girl. She got she had everything going for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first dude that they they look at is one of her past students. Ooh. Why would they look at? At one of her students. Okay, so I know. It's that's a good question. So Anthony Vickers was one of Tara's graduated high school students who had kind of grown fond of Tara. And I mean, she was a good looking high school. Okay, so this yeah. is really weird. When you're my, when you're like in that like yeah. that age in high school and you have like a reasonably pretty teacher, you're just like, I don't know, something about it, like you're just bored in class, you're like, Oh yeah. Like just like something to talk about. They get like a naturally like added extra points just because they're like a teacher. I was gonna say this is like a teenage boy thing, but yeah. I definitely had a crush on my history teacher, Mr. Gundy. He was fun. Okay. <laughs> Dang. He actually called me Sleeping Beauty one time because I fell asleep in his class because I was a professional swimmer and I would swim at like five in the morning. So right. I fell asleep in his class and he called me Sleeping Beauty. Mm. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> Anyways, it's really- <laughs> you got me speechless on that one. I don't even know what to say. I'm crying. Forward. I'm actually crying. Move forward, y'all. <laughs> so it's reported, but also omitted in some omitted, like omit, you know, omitted. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's omitted. Omit. In, so yeah. Okay. Uh, in some articles that Anthony. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is to, it? To omit. Okay. <laughs> okay so it's omitted that anthony and tara had had some sort of sexual relation oh shit why okay sorry but why is it always like a southern thing i swear to god i see that shit on the news all the time are they just the ones that get caught i know i are they bad at it i feel like they're usually bad at it though because i genuinely think tara was like a really just sweethearted person yeah she was a giver Sometimes they give you got to take. Anyways, no, no, no. Let's not, so let's not go into a weird place. I just feel bad saying this because, yeah. like, some oh, yeah, some articles don't like some articles part. don't include this piece of detail, and I think some mm. of her friends and family try to like steer away from the fact that I think there were some things going on there that probably shouldn't have been happening. But regardless, they look at Anthony Vickers because. Um, uh, about seven months before Tara's disappearance, he had actually showed up at her house and tried to push himself in her, like in her door, in her front door. Oh, and he grabbed, like he grabbed her arm, like there was a disturbance, and I mean, she I ended like up. I've heard this one before. It's probably happened before. 
Hmm. But okay. l- let's see. I don't know. Maybe okay. you have heard of it. So she pushes him out the front door. She was, you know, she managed to get him out. Like she wasn't going to call the cops or anything, but the neighbors had actually called it in that there was some sort of disturbance happening mm-hmm. and he was arrested. So oh. the cops came in, arrested him. Like, you know, he, I think he, he, I thought, I don't think it was anything serious. I thought it was just like, you know, would disturbably disorderly conduct. Really? Mm, I don't know. I'm not a cop. <laughs> I you know, this stuff, you play uh, video games. Yeah. Anyways, so More they like hone a in harassment type thing. I would yeah. say not but he's also disturbing like the peace, kind of be. like breaking in her house at the same time. Yeah. Anyways, doesn't matter. They they look at Anthony Vickers as a suspect because you know this this could be a slam dunk. Right, you know, right. there's all these connections with him, and um, he was only 20 years old at the case or at the time of this case, and mm-hmm. he was he was cooperative. He they he let them take DNA. He did a polygraph, and he was eventually cleared. He had an alibi; like there was no c- concern that he knew where Tara was, where her whereabouts were. Next on Tara's kill list, what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> what? Okay. Wow. You need to a- take a break from this kind of shit. <laughs> I think I've like, had too much coffee days. today. So next they turned to Marcus Harper, which was one of Tara's long-term boyfriends, and they broke up broke up about a year prior to her disappearance. And he was he was kind of the one that Tara thought that she was going to be with long-term. Mm. I think they dated for about four or five years, but she ended up breaking it up with him because she just didn't think that he was ready to settle down. Um, you know, she, she was kind of, she was 30, 31 at the time. So she was ready to, you know, get a little bit serious, even though she's mm-hmm. dating high school students, but I wouldn't say dating, I just digress. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a little bit about Marcus was that he actually served for the Osceola police department for four years and then was deployed to us army Rangers in 2001. So he was, you know, he was in with the the police. He was a big dude. He was intimidating. But friends and family just didn't see that Marcus could ever do something like this. He cared too much for Tara. Um, now, weeks prior to Tara's disappo- uh, disappearance, she, Tara, caught wind that Marcus was back from overseas, but he didn't tell her that he was back. Mm-hmm. And she kind of got pissed over that. She was trying to get a hold of him. She was calling him, emailing him. Like, he was just ignoring the fact that she was trying to get a hold of him, even though he didn't let her know that he was back in town. It was like Mm. almost he was hiding something. Anyways, she got really pissed off and he finally emails her back just saying something along the lines of stop contacting me. Like this is never, we're done for good. Um, And she, she was actually really upset. She, her friends reported that she was driving when this had happened she had to pull over and like her friends had to come meet with her. It was like, a serious thing and, and they were like are it you hurt. sure yeah, you're okay like okay. are you like they were concerned actually for her mental state like are you gonna do something are you gonna hurt yourself and she was like no 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 like i'm really depressed about this but i would never ever do that to myself and there was just other things because Weird, they had that conversation yeah yeah just i know that, she was okay. that distraught over it but um i think the reason why Maybe. that's important in this case is because they're like okay you know after everything that happened did she you know did she go jump off a cliff or something like but the thing was they it was important to note that she that this had happened because yeah. things leading up to her disappearance you know she had just she had just purchased like she was a bought gas she bought a week's worth of groceries like you don't do these things if you're planning on killing yourself is is kind of the point plus tara actually knew that she had several other relationships going on at the same time. Like a girl was a playa. So Mm. even though she was upset that Marcus called things off, she was still talking to other guys. Right. 
which is then why they kept moving down the list of potential suspects. So Marcus ended up having an alibi. Again, he was crossed off the list, had nothing to do with her disappearance. Tara had another relationship with a married man oh. named Heath Dykes. And His they name's Heath? Heath. Okay. Heath Dykes. And they take a look at what he's got going on in this case, because if you remember when Tara was at the barbecue, this was the person she was saying, I love you to on that telephone call. And the last person that she had spoken to on the Sunday after Tara went missing for about 24 hours, Tara's mom actually called Heath in the middle of the night to drive over to Tara's house to check on her. So this is when they were trying to call her, call her, you know, all Sunday. So he actually, they kind of trusted Heath. They trusted. Yeah. They trusted him to, to go down, take a look. And he actually did. He woke up in the middle of the night. Like he's got a wife and kids at home, drives down to Tara's house to see if she was there again. Like didn't the house was empty. So he is the one that shoved his business card in the door to let her know that, you know, when she does come home, that he had come to check on her. That's weird, though. You don't use your business card for, like, (laughs) that kind of (laughs) purpose. If you're a police officer, I feel like you you would. Because I don't know if I told you, but Heath was also a police officer. Wow. So she had a thing for police officers. Anyway, so if you're a police officer. He's married. He's married. And he's a police officer. Correct. Okay. And... (laughs) The mother who is concerned calls the mar- her married boyfriend, <laughs> the cop. We don't know who then mom. goes over to check on her and then thinks also like a posted cop. note. Also Let's shitty cop. Use my business card to put myself. Uh, anyway, well, if he was, if if he did something, he wouldn't leave his business card no, in the fucking no, door. I don't, I don't. Also, shitty cop that he didn't go in and like actually check inside the house and like caught like have any concern or call backup yeah. right then. Like he should have known. Going to be like. I think it's more of like a jealousy type murder. That's just my gut right now. So this is where the investigation kind of gets dry at this point. They're running out of leads. They have kind of crossed off all the main men in Tara's life. So they end up now just executing a large search where they look over big bodies of water. They're looking in the woods. They're looking in garage bins. Like, you know, to find something, anything, just like anything of, of that indicates Tara, Tara's whereabouts. They're really hanging on to the possibility of pulling anything off of that latex glove. If you remember, they found that glove Mm. outside. Now there was some talk that Tara used to, like when she took her dog out, she would have latex Uh, gloves to pick up the poop. Um, So they keep this glove and they are really trying to find any DNA, any fingerprints. And the trouble with a latex glove from, from what I've researched is that when you try to extract DNA from latex, you have the possibility of messing with the actual fingerprinting from it and vice versa. So if you're trying to get fingerprints off of latex, you can mess with the DNA component. So it was a really tricky process to be able to extract like both DNA yeah, yeah. And, and fingerprints. But they did end up, um, it took some time, but they were able to get both the DNA and a partial fingerprint off of the glove, which was confirmed to be the DNA of a male. So oh, wow. we know That's that good. it wasn't, yeah, we know that it wasn't um, Tara's, uh, it, it wasn't Tara's glove that she had used. Now, the thing is, later in this case, when we do find out what happens, this glove was never tied back to, at least in my research, I could never find the, that glove being tied back to how it was convicted. But regardless, they run it through the system and they don't find 
any, of course, it always happens this way. They never find anything in the system that's already been tagged. Um, they swabbed over a hundred men that maybe even had the slightest interaction with Tara. Nothing, no matches. So now they start to speculate about anything that could explain what was happening. Was Tara trying to make a statement? Did she walk off on her own just thinking of getting back to, you know, these men that have set her up all, all these times? And, you know, maybe she did hurt herself. Like they're just trying to like figure out what happened, but they're thinking mm, it's unlikely that she did do that. Cause there were just, it just didn't make sense. You know, there was still cash around. Her purse was at home, her, her phone, you know, like if you're taking off, you're taking your, your wallet and your phone with you. Right. right. All right. So I hate that. I have to mention in this part of the case, uh, what happens next? Cause it's so annoying to me that this happened, but I guess it is still relevant. So a few years later after, you know, they've, they've executed all these search, uh, programs found nothing they hear of a a dude that comes onto youtube pronouncing that he himself is the killer of over 16 women he calls himself the catch me killer and he like it was a game to him he created all these like riddles and like trying to throw off the investigations of of over 16 women it turns out it was a big hoax so they tracked down his computer and this dude was like married with kids also and just was like playing around. Like you, you just, how do you play around? You get in trouble. For oh that, yeah. Right? He was okay. arrested okay. and I think sentenced to like 10 years in prison. Who knows if he wow. served that, good, but good father. Okay. Yeah. Like just so stupid. Yep. And also like rude to the victims families that you're creating a little bit of hope that they're getting some answers and then it's right. like, Oh, just kidding. All right. So, um, now it's, it's, this is, I want to point out in this case, something really relevant because, you know, I think it was our first episode we recorded. You're like, you know, why are we, you know, we're getting entertainment off of other people's deaths and all these things. And I mentioned something about, we've also had, you know, there's podcasts that have had great success in bringing light to cases that have, right. they're old okay. and true. Um, I, I know. I was actually thinking about that, um, this morning. Uh, yeah. Um, it's, it's actually pretty cool that by discussing these type of you know things that it could actually be a positive like you could actually catch people mm-hmm. um the bigger the community becomes how they can all kind of work together and and actually help solve potential problems that's pretty awesome well this is the power of, of yeah. the world that we're living in now especially yeah. with you know the facebook groups and right and it's all that social if, media type stuff yeah that's, yeah that's wild and if you guys have watched the netflix <clears throat> series don't fuck with cats i think it's called, yes that also that was, is a great example yeah, of example. how yep. strangers can come together and do their own investigative research online yep. and, and get some answers so, that was extreme but yes yeah, <laughs> a little that, extreme. Was a, that was a good watch but it is good. And I feel like we'll talk about that case at some point because it is fascinating. But the point of me bringing that up is um, on August 7th, 2016, the first podcast episode of Up and Vanish premieres. And that quickly just blows up. It's one of the most popular true crime investigative podcasts that's out there right now. And that's actually how I first heard about the Tara Grinstead case was through Payne Lindsay's Up and Vanish podcast. It's a whole season dedicated to... Tara's case. And when he first launched the podcast, they didn't have any answers. They were still, it was still kind of a cold case and and no speculation of, of suspects. And so when this podcast got released, 
people started to pay attention and people started to get nervous because this millennial podcaster who who is by like a video producer by trade he creates this amazing podcast digging into some of the deepest files about Tara and, and this whole investigation and he actually had a lot of cooperation from officials because they're like you know we're at a loss here we'd love to have you come in and shed some new light on this case and that's exactly what he did so this podcast blows up, right? People are hearing about it. People are getting nervous. And then out of the blue on February 2017. So this is, what is the math? 12 years later. Wow. After Tara goes missing. This girl, Brooke Sheridan, who is the girlfriend of a dude named Bo Dukes. Bo Dukes? Bo Dukes. is. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. Does he drive a General Lee? <laughs> Like, fuck's sake. I know, it's so hazard, hit, straight right? up. You can already tell exactly what this guy looks like, probably. Anyways. Yeah. So this dude's girlfriend comes forward with a tip. She calls uh. the GBI, the, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, stating that her boyfriend just told her that he was involved in Tara Grinstead's Why would he do that? People just can't keep their mouth shut. But... Uh, hello. Also, an amazing thing at the same time. Of like course. you, the, like you guys know you. It's been twelve years. Can you imagine how much that must eat you up inside? Yeah, you wouldn't forget about like, it. It's like, oh yeah, you fuck, remember when that? I committed that murder? That's fucking nuts. Okay, so yeah. Bo Dukes. This this is really confusing. Okay, because okay. there's two accomplices here: Bo Dukes mm-hmm. uh, and Ryan Duke. There's no relation. It gets oh, very confusing. <laughs> okay. Southern so, things. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Bo Dukes's girlfriend, Brooke, she comes forward and says, Hey, listen, my boyfriend just told me that he had been involved in the disappearance and murder of Tara Grinstead. Wow. And the reason why this came out was because Bo Dukes had he had first been called in for question just because they were still questioning everyone. Right. So he had been called called in originally, was like he ever, questioning. Like, ever Wasn't a, a prime suspect okay. or anything. But then this podcast came out, and like he just felt like they were getting closer and closer to some answers because his roommate at the time, Ryan Duke, told him that he had broken into Tara's house the night of her disappearance with the intent. Now this is what he claims: with the intent of robbing her house. But she came home. I'm thinking around 11 o'clock after the barbecue and he freaked out and he actually punched her. And apparently that one punch killed her. Wow. Is what he's claiming. Now, later down in the investigation, they say that she did have signs of strangulation. So, um, based on, on witness, uh, based on Brooke's claim. So Brooke is the girlfriend. That involves strangulation. (laughs) 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 But, um, so so Bo confides in his girlfriend, Brooke, tells her Ryan killed Tara. And the night that this happened, he punched her, left, and then came back at a later time and then realized that she was dead and ended up taking Bo's truck with Tara in it and bringing her body to their pe- their family's pecan ca- farm hmm. in Fitzgerald, Georgia. So he drives Tara's body cuz apparently like he didn't like he didn't mean to or didn't want to like this wasn't like a plan. This is all allegations like Sounds like she should have had her light on while she was away. Poor thing. Cuz dude wouldn't have been there. 
Yeah, right. And we'll come <laughs> back to your Just argument. Saying. Well, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay, fine. People don't like to break yeah. in when people are home. So. Yeah, I know. So he, so they take her body to the pecan farm. And this is where Bo, Bo's involvement comes in because he says that they at first I wonder didn't if, know. Like, the, the family that owns the pecan farm, like, did, did they ever know this? Well, the pecan farm is owned by Ryan Duke. Okay. His family right. owns I, the I pecan if farm. His family knew about this. Like, did he tell them, or did he just do it and hide them? Oh, man, I don't know. Like, what what so they were thinking, yeah. but Bo had been having panic attacks and anxiety. Well, obviously, you're living with this lie for 12 years, and yeah. then he gets drunk one night and tells his girlfriend what had happened. So, I'm just going to read you a little bit of a timeline now that we know. What has happened wow. to Tara Grinstead? Okay. So, in court documents and witness statements, I guess this is coming from Bo and Brooke. Ryan says that he stole Bo's keys out of Bo's pants pocket and drove to Tara's house while everyone was asleep after he had committed the crime. Ryan says that he drove to Asilla, broke into Tara's home, and went through her purse. He says that Tara surprised him and he punched her in the face, and it it. It was so hard that he killed her. But there was some confusion because Bo actually says that Ryan told him he had taken a credit card and picked her lock and actually went into her house while she was sleeping and did the and did the crime like while she was asleep. So it, it this case bothers me so much because it's still ongoing and there hasn't really been um uh, a charge, a, con- a definitive charge or like a statement from either Bo or Ryan, like saying what actually happened. And there's just a lot of like wishy-washy, like you can tell someone's lying and not actually telling the truth mm-hmm. because these two roommates are obviously going to gang off on each other and say, no, right. he did it. He did it. Yeah. But the, the story goes themselves. that Ryan was the one who went in, you know, did whatever it was, whether she was awake or came in when he didn't expect it, or she was asleep when, when it happened. Um, but how did none of them get charged? Well, they they did get charged, but there's there's no like I can't find any clear story on like what actually did happen. And there's did they not find her body. So Ryan and Bo then drive out to the orchard because Ryan's like, Bo, I need your hand, man. I need you to help me like figure this shit out. Early right. morning of Wednesday, October twenty sixth, Ryan takes Bo to Tara's body, and according to Bo, he says. I didn't want to believe him. Ryan's brother told me that Tara was missing on Monday, and I told his brother then that Ryan told me he killed her on Sunday. I wanted it not to be true, but by Wednesday I realized that I had to confront him about it, and that's when he took me to the orchard to see her body. Wow. That's when they decided that they were going to burn her body. So there was a huge search going on, and this place was already pretty remote out in the lar- like a, a large body of forested area off from the pecan farm, and there was a bunch of, of firewood right there. So they thought that the best option was to burn her body. They ended up throwing some wood on, lighting it on fire, and Bo says that they both said the Lord's Prayer and started the fire. And they had to go back over two days. They said that, or I guess Bo had said that it just, it took a lot to burn a body and they were feeding this fire for two days to make sure that all of the evidence was gone, which is just so unfortunate that you can do that. So 
Bo says that really, you know, his his statement is that he was just very angry that he got brought into this. But Mm. at the same time, like, why wouldn't you at that point tell someone what had happened? And you lived with this for 12 years. You put the family through hell. Why didn't you say something? And then that's when he finally, you know, he couldn't hold it in anymore. He tells his girlfriend and she, thank God, when, you know, I think she took a little bit of time. It was like two weeks before she actually said something. But she eventually went and told the police what had happened. And on February 23rd, 2017, Ryan Duke was arrested. I just had a thought. Like, what if he wrote, like, an anonymous letter? Would that ever, is that ever a thing where, because it almost, like, it helps them kind of get off their chest and, for lack you know, of a better I- word, heal mm-hmm. a little bit? Um, or like Just to get it off their chest and say, but without actually incriminating themselves yeah like one and then it also helps the family a little bit at least they like kind of know what happened Mm -hmm. like sure they don't have the satisfaction of getting the killer but at least they know what happened they're they're not searching with all kinds of resources Mm -hmm. all over a place like at least they you know have some some closure yeah well, I mean, I'm glad it it worked out the way that it did because right. both parties are going to serve justice. Bo ended up taking them to the the area where her body was burned and they were able to find a small piece of bone, but I don't think that there was large enough um, evidence to, to tie DNA to the fact that that was actually tarot. I mean, they're going to mm. assume that that was, you know, a piece of evidence of her being there, but... Right. Um, as far as my, my my knowledge, they haven't actually been able to uh, determine that for sure. On March 3rd, two, 2017, Bo Dukes is also arrested and charged with concealing Good. a death, evidence tampering, and hindering the apprehension of a criminal in, conne- in connection. This is the part that really gets me pissed off because on May 4th, 2017, Ryan Duke pl- pleads not guilty. <laughs> Rude. Hmm. Rude. Bo Dukes also pleads not guilty. Um, Making a murderer style. So, I mean, mean, they're still facing more charges. I think uh, both are in the process of getting new attorneys. There's, like, the last I heard, um, Ryan Dukes' attorney files for a motion to change the venue and request hundreds of dollars for a private investigator to, um, I guess... Like, what more investigation can you do 12 years after the fact? You know what I'm saying? Um, So I am happy that there has been some justice Mm. for Tara's family and for Tara because, you know, she didn't deserve this bullshit by these two hobos. So Mm. rest in peace. That is, that's what we have for you this week. Um, we are so excited to bring you a new case next week. Love to know your thoughts on this case. If you have not already, please go to wherever it is that you listen to your podcast and rate and review us. We're actually going to be doing a giveaway this week on our, our Instagram account. So keep your eyes peeled for that. We are going to give away a $100 Amazon gift card. So make sure you're rating and reviewing us and you'll be entered to win. And you just tag us on your Instagram stories. Only good things, though. (laughs) (laughs) Only five stars allowed. And you can win. Thank you so much again for listening. And we'll pop open a new case with you next week. Be kind to one another. Okay, Helen DeGeneres. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what she says? (laughs) Something along those lines. I like it. I like it. Okay. Don't kill people. (laughs)